Picks and Bets, presented by PrizePix, here on the Mayo Media Network. I am Matt Moody, joined by DJ Mitchell, and we're here to go through Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. DJ, Montreal heads back home down 2-0. Uh, how you doing, and how you feeling about this uh, this Friday night? Yeah, um, if you're joining it on the video, you'll see I'm in a brand new location for the first time ever. For the last time of the season, I am at a new spot. So the past three days I've been moving and trying to watch as much hockey as possible. And it's been a whirlwind of 95 degree heat while moving. So I feel exhausted. Um, I tried to go to the gym today, almost died, I felt like. Um, So yeah, no, I'm excited to finally be done with all of that. I have a week of vacation ahead of me. And I can actually focus in on these games a little bit more. Um, last night, I watched all of it. Game one, I had to miss a little bit of time. So, yeah, it, it kind of has been, you know, it, it's funny because I feel like listening to the commentators and, like, listening to, like, more of your, like, low-level understanding of the game type of, you know, things. It, it, everyone's just talking about Tampa Bay's just dominating this series. But I, I don't think that's entirely the case. I feel like it's actually been pretty evenly matched. So I'm excited to see what Montreal can do back at home. Matt, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I will just say uh, moving in this heat does not sound, uh, you know, doesn't sound too fun. I'm glad you finally get to sit back and relax and, you know, we're going to try and, uh, you know, get to the bottom of the series. But, you know, Montreal has shown us throughout the year um, that they're, you know, they don't go out easy. Um, You know, with with the Toronto series being the prime example of that, also Vegas, you know, I wrote them off as dead. Um, so, you know, that's sort of where we're at at this point. Um, you know, before we do get into things, um, uh, I, yeah, let's, let's talk about prize picks right now. Um, make sure you head on over to prizepix.com and use promo code MMN. If you haven't already signed up, uh, it's super simple. What you do over there is you look at the board across multiple sports. There's up to a dozen sports at any given time and you select the player and you say whether they're going to go under or over their posted fantasy score. That's it. You know, you can do it with up to five players on an entry and went up to 10 X the money you put in. Uh, so it's a super fun, super simple fantasy game. Um, we don't have anything up right now for the NHL, but maybe circle back tomorrow. And if we do get it in time, uh, maybe we'll drop a comment on the video. Like I know Mini has from time to time, uh, we can follow that lead and, you know, get you set up with at least one selection for this Friday night action. Um, but you, again, you can combine it across sports. So if you like hockey, you like baseball, uh, even golf or something like that, you can do all three uh, or more. So be sure to check it out. Go to prizepix.com and use promo code MMN. All right. Um, getting back into the NHL sort of things. I, I did before we got too far into the show, you know, the nitty gritty. I actually did have a trade today. And it wasn't yeah. one of those like, oh, you know, AHL guy, like, you know, so sometimes we see that sort of stuff happen during the uh, the quote unquote off season, but it's during the Stanley Cup final. No, we saw Victor Arvidsson shipped out of Nashville, uh, much to the chagrin of Philip Forsberg for a yeah. second and a third. I mean, like, you know, what do you think Nashville's up to? Like, uh, how do you how do you feel about what happened today? I, I mean, if I'm going to get my complete honest take based off of a little bit of, I would say, somewhat insider knowledge, and I'm not going to break that down, but I think that um, there's more to come from Nashville. I really don't think that this is a, a end of the end of the road type of move for them. They have a very, um, you know, they've had a, the GM that's been there since their inaugural season and David Poli, correct? Is that how you say it? Poyle. Poyle. There, I'm like, I knew I was going to say it wrong. Uh, yeah. Poyle. Um, he wants to hand it down to his son. And we all know that. Um, and I think that he's kind of going to start shooting for the stars. 
Oh, I didn't what? know that. <laughs> he was, oh, really? Oh, I thought that was his like, son to be the next GM. Yeah, he's a part Holy of the step. You didn't know that? No yeah, idea. that's like no. part of the whole thing. It's like, so wow. like, you're talking about a guy that I don't, I don't think he's had the shortest leash in the world, but the leash is going to start shortening if he can't get that team back where it needs to be. It's not where it needs to be now. I really think there's going to be more to come. I think this is loading up on some assets for a guy that's definitely seen a bit of a decline. He's, Matt, I know you mentioned it to, to a bunch of people in a group chat. You know, he just turned 28 years old. It's not like this is a, you know, a, a young budding star. This could be someone a bit on the decline as the numbers are kind of showing. So I think it was really fair for both teams. Um, LA trying to revamp that market. They're, they can't stay down for long. When they're winning, they're generating a ton of money and revenue. Uh, LA people will go where, you know, the teams are good. So I really like it for both sides because I don't think Arvidsson's dust. He's not done he could definitely shoot. He can definitely find you uh, ways to score goals and putting him with a guy like Quentin Byfield might be something to kind of get him going, get him with a skilled forward. I kind of like it for LA as well. Uh, they don't really need to be stocking up on draft capital anymore. They already have a lot of it and they already have a lot of top prospects coming through the pipeline. Um, so Matt, what are your thoughts on it? Any, I know we both have been fanboys of Victor. Yeah. I love him and I've always been a pro uh, taking him on props. So it's not like I don't like the guy. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think for me, my you know my, my stance on Arvidsson sort of came down to the line he was playing on for those couple of years. The I mean, the Jofa line was just incredible. Like you go back and you look through, like you know, when they were on the ice together, they were you know the perfection line level of dominant in the you know pretty much sandwiched around their Stanley Cup final run. Um, so I you know I kind of am finding it hard now to say like oh yeah the Kings are going to get that type of player who put up I think a 34 goal season yeah. um, you know in his in his peak like he had a real down year and that's obviously clouding things but I don't really understand what the Kings are doing he's definitely not a finisher in my book uh, he just doesn't really seem like the sort of dynamic piece that that team needs um, he seems like a perfectly fine top nine forward and you know if I'm the Kings I want to take a crack at guys uh, who have slightly more upside, you know, the guys who were frozen out of the lineup uh, <laughs> this season, like uh, Kaliev and some other guys. I mean, they have uh, Fadrimo, like they have so many guys who could be difference makers, I think for them. And I'm not sure that's shipping out futures for Arvidsson's exactly the move, especially with a fish like Jack Eichel out there who, you know, you would expect those picks could have been useful toward acquiring. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, you know, I didn't want to spend too much time on this because it doesn't, you know, we can't yeah, bet yeah. futures or anything just yet. Um, but it was a really interesting, almost seismic level move. And it happened so fast today. I mean, it was, you know, hinted at it 11:15, and by noon he was done. You know, he was, the trade was gone and, you know, everything was official. So uh, super interesting there on the NHL streets. All right. Let's get back to the Stanley cup final though. Um, we do have the Friday night game. Uh, should be a lot of fun. So Tampa Bay heading into Montreal. Slight favorites, minus 140, Montreal plus 120 on the money line. Um, we're seeing some interesting odds on the over-under. Like throughout the last, honestly, couple weeks, it seems like the, the overs have been more and more and more valuable to bet on. Um, so much so that you can get the over four and a half right now at minus 200. Um, if you told me that at any point this season, that any game, especially one involving Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, and Cole Caulfield, had a four and a half over under, even, you know, at minus 200 odds, of course, I would go for it. Um, you know, I know we have some different uh, totals when we, you know, we're looking at five, it's, it's different, and five and a half, obviously, is different, and all those certainly are viable bets as well. 
But how do you feel about the pace in this game? And then secondly, how do you feel about Montreal's chances to cut the deficit in half in the series? Yeah, I mean, I I, I was going to – we've seen such opposing from game one to game two. Um, the expected goals almost flip-flopped entirely. Uh, but both of them have been about five. Uh, you know, I'm, I feel pretty good about – and I know we talked about this before the podcast, like – if you find it at four and a half or if you find it at five, obviously the odds would be, I would rather just go over five. Um, just take it. You know, I, we never played for a push. I do think it could go over the five and get you to six, but at the very least you have that bit of a blanket as this shouldn't be the highest paced game in the world. And the goaltending has been so good. Um, so I do like the over a little bit, definitely at four and a half. I mean, that just seems like great parlay with some other sports, kind of a, a bet to, to place, so just kind of throw that in the mix. Um, but I, you know, I Speaking like Montreal, I mean, get back in this, it's it's, it's tough. What were you gonna say? Well, let's let's throw in a plug right there. Speaking of uh, throwing it in the mix, Ooh. the Neo Media Network, the mix, uh, you know, tons of sports going up there. There's the Euro action that'll be going on on Friday. There's Wimbledon that's going on. Obviously, golf and everything else that you've come to love, you know, the Pat Mayo for. Um, but there's a ton of different options. So make sure if you're just finding this, you know, and don't really know much about the Mayo Media Network to check it out because, you know, the feed called The Mix, you'll get a lot of action. And if you if you want to find it with some really sharp people uh, giving you advice. So anyway, right, yeah. right back into things. You just sort right of back mentioned into things. Yeah. So the expected goals for Montreal went 2.2 in game one, where they only scored one goal to 3.6, you know, a huge boost. Tampa went from 3.2 to 2.2. Like I said, kind of almost total flopping um, of the numbers. You know, the 2.2 is from mm-hmm. Montreal's game one to Tampa's two. So even though Tampa, you know, was the better part of both games and scored eight combined goals, which is kind of maybe a bit of a regression to the mean for Carey Price that I think many of us expected. Um, you know, I don't know what it's going to mean for game three. I, I don't want to read into game one and two and say, well, definitely the next game is going to be this or anything of that nature. But it does lead me to think this game is a bit more of a toss up than Vegas is quite giving it for a team at home. I think the line is going to come a little bit more towards the middle as the day goes on because of these metrics, et cetera. So I like taking the over, whether it's four and a half or five, a little bit more than the money line. If I was going to side with anything, if you can get Montreal at anything, I'd say plus 130 or above, I'd probably grab it. Um, but if it's much closer to the middle, like I said, where I think it's going to move, I'm probably going to stay away from it in general, just to kind of enjoy the game. Hopefully it's high scoring rather than trying to play, get all cute with, uh, with one of the teams taking uh, this game here. And I think a lot of people, a lot of money is going to go to Montreal just to get back into it. So what are your, I, that might not be entirely true, but I, I don't know. I think that some, some people like to bet, people that don't bet as analytically will probably like the idea of Montreal getting back into it is that that might be the way I wanted to put that I mean that that is one narrative but I also kind of feel like Tampa is just the better team and you know obviously the travel and you know being at home is a big deal for Montreal but uh, we don't know the status of Arturi Lekkinen we don't know the status of Alex Kalorn obviously one guy a piece for each side of this matchup um I'm not saying either one of those players sort of pushes me, you know, in one direction, but if we see something that like Lauren's back and Lackanen's out, that probably makes me comfortable enough to just say, you know, let me just take the, the, you know, the slight uh, favorite in Tampa. Um, I, you know, I don't really think this line will move much. If it does, I honestly might get heavier on Tampa just because I think they're a public team. Um, you know, they won, they won it all last year. Montreal is a great underdog story, but going into the series, they were definitely an underdog. 
Um, and yes, there is some positive signs from these first two games, but Tampa won them both. Um, you know, I just kind of feel like whatever Montreal does, Tampa does it uh, much better. Like, I'm not even going to say a little bit better. Like, I think Vasilevsky, you know, in the last few years has been clearly superior to Carey Price. They're scoring talent. Like, yeah, Cole Caulfield's fun, but you have Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov. Like, come on, you're not, you know, you're not beating that. And then defensively, like, yeah, you know, uh, Victor Hedman's banged up, but so is Jeff Petrie. Um, Shea Weber, you know, he's been playing okay, but certainly nothing, you know, of substantial from Shea Weber. So it just sort of seems to me like in every facet, Tampa's just a little bit better. And that's leading me toward the money line um, because, you know, Tampa can play any sort of game. If it's a nine goal game, I feel just as good about Tampa as if it's a three goal game. Um, so I kind of want to stay away from the over under myself. And I do kind of feel myself compelled to back the lightning in this one. Um, but any other thoughts before we dig into a couple of player props, um, particularly maybe some around the news uh, surrounding these two teams? Well, I think you hinted at the the bigger, I guess, story of the um, Kalorn. He will be traveling to Montreal, so we don't know yet. It's definitely going to be a game-time decision, but he'll definitely be playing banged up. We also had Lekkonen that went out in the third period. We're going to see what happens there because that, you know, the no gallagher Lekkonen line was so incredibly good for them. And it, it honestly played well in that game when they were out there. So that, that does definitely change a little bit. Um, if you look at the matchups in game games, one, at least in games two, definitely game two, you see a bit more. It looked like Tampa was trying to get the point line out against Suzuki's line. Um, you know, in which case it definitely diminished Cole Caulfield's upside because he wasn't quite getting the minutes because clearly they did not want him out there trying to defend those guys. Suzuki stayed out there um, for a lot of time. He's been playing so well. He had nine shots on goal after putting an absolute zero burger up the game before on DraftKings. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. The line matches in Tampa, but I don't think that's going to stick. I think the is going to be basically fixated on Braden point. And that I think is going to open up things for the Sorelli Stamco stack. In my eyes, Uh, Sorelli did take that top power play over, which I was guaranteeing pretty much. It was going to be Palat as, uh, put Palat on there in game yeah. one after Chlorin went down. Um, they score a goal with Palat out there, and they're like, nah, Sorelli. So if Chlorin is out, Sorelli should be on that top unit. I couldn't imagine it switching. Sergachev had a little bit of run there, but I think that was more to do with someone being on the ice that was, when that happened. Uh, right? Yeah, that one, that one I remember seeing that, and that was just the uh, headman changed, and the yeah, other three yeah. guys were like, nah, I want to keep playing. Right. And it was like a minute into yeah, the power yeah. play and, you know, they got right. set up and did their whole thing, but yeah, no reason to really suspect any changes from right. the Tampa side of things, unless Kalorn draws in. Um, that does make Sorelli kind of interesting. He did score last game though. I will say um, the guy doesn't shoot. So that kind of concerns me. Like, um, you know, you're really banking on honestly kind of a broken play. I think for Sorelli to score or something fluky like in game two, where he just sort of shot it from the blue line and, you know, it just, seeing I shot uh, went into the net. He's certainly not a rates guy or anything like that. Um, Andre Palat, on the other hand, has been a really strong rates guy um, and just, you know, isn't getting the top power play, not obviously, but it's, you know, it's worth considering Andre Palat, especially, um, you know, if he's going to be super low owned, like he was on the last sleep, but no power play one time there for him. So you want to do one, one more, I, one thing I don't want to forget before we get into the player props, mm-hmm. um, Tampa Bay in the playoffs has lost how many games by more than one goal? There we go. Here's the question for you. I think Florida did it once 
Yes. I, I think Carolina did it once too, but I think that's it. The Islanders didn't have any. I don't think Carolina, no, Carolina didn't do it at all. No? Oh, wow. Carolina okay. only took one game and it was a three to two overtime game. Oh. They won four to one. Yeah, and the no, Islanders, right. okay. even though they did four seven, they won by one, yeah. they won by one, and they won by one. So there's been one game. Uh, I just wanted to point that out because I, did, I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, Dude, I'm, interesting. I miss Florida. That was I, such I, everyone missed this Florida. Fun, that was Come fun on. team. Come on. <laughs> we all miss Florida. So I, I would have loved that to anyway. just like move on. <laughs> just, just keep playing four game series. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not going to do all the Montreal, but they, they definitely have lost more games by more than one. I'm just more of saying, like, imagine like taking Montreal, just getting crazy with it. I was kidding. I'm not going to do that. But yeah, it's just crazy. I think Tampa one game, one loss by more than one goal in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to point that out. It seemed like an interesting stat. Well, um, so if Montreal does sort of get an explosion, it might come without Arturi Lackanen. Um, and frankly, we don't have a great sense of what they will do to sort of, you know, fill that void. Um, my senses is that Jake Evans would draw in to fill the fourth line role. And then Joel Armia slides up to sort of that shutdown line type role. Um, Armia is, you know, perfectly fine and maybe even better than Lackanen, honestly. He's definitely back. Evans was back for game one and then he sat out game two um, because was, Armia. It no, it wasn't yes, due to injury. Yeah, okay. It was uh, that yes, whole yes. COVID thing. Um, however, okay, I mean, it's weird. Tatar has been there and he's just been sitting out and he actually was playing with Dino for a while this season. So, um, you know, not really knowing what they're doing hurts from a talking about the game perspective, but hopefully something like that we would get clarity on. Um, you know, in morning skate, if not pregame warm-up, or pregame warm-ups, if not morning skate. Um, you know, the power play would obviously be more complicated, but like an isn't on a power play. So that's that. So I think if Tatar plays, he's an interesting name, especially in showdown. Um, you know, like Evans isn't very exciting. Obviously, Tatar hasn't been great, but I think he does sort of have that upside that you're looking for from such a cheap player. Um but really, is there anyone on the Montreal side that maybe based on matchups or something like that, who you are looking to back in this one? Like one individual player. Like, are you essentially alluding to like if I run a like five one, or do you or, mean like you know, or if you're looking at player props? I don't know. We have a full complement of <sighs> options ahead of us here. I mean, like it, 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 imagine saying this after game one, but like I honestly think it could be Suzuki because I I don't think he's going to draw the most difficult matchup in the world comparatively. Uh, I don't know. Will it be any more? He could draw the cord line more than. Yeah. That's the problem. It's oh, like God, that's just so difficult. Okay. okay Camp yeah. is really, really good. I, I think that's the yeah. conclusion we're reaching here. And, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I, um, you know, for me, I think I'm focused on the, the, the back end here for Montreal, be it mm. Shea Weber, Jeff Petrie, maybe even um, Eric Gustafson. Like he doesn't have a shot prop posted. But, you know, like if Montreal is going to get in this one, you would think they need to generate some offense. And Gustafson's on that top power play, you know, all, all that stuff. But anyway, the main two guys are obviously Petrie and Weber. Um, they've both been pretty serviceable so far in this series. Um, Weber has 14 shot attempts through two games, seven of them on net. Jeff Petrie has six shots on goal on 10 shot attempts, you know, in two games. So I think both of those guys have very attractive shot props. Um Looking at DraftKings, we can get Jeff Petrie over one and a half at minus 195. Kind of sucks, you know, like the minus 195. Just bump up to two and a half and let us play. 
Um, and then Shea Weber over two and a half plus 115. So I think the Shea Weber one's where I'm leaning myself. Um, but and also in showdown, just because in showdown, if you play a five one stack, you're probably needing guys who get shots and get blocks without scoring on Vasilevsky because you know five one stacks will probably have Vasilevsky on them. And I just sort of think that makes the most sense. And they're not priced like you know, minutes eating defensemen should be, in my opinion. Like uh, Shea Weber's a full 1,400 less than Victor Hedman, who just seems kind of broken. So, um, you know, I'm pretty much set with those guys, uh, but I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to discuss here before uh, we wrap things up. No, it is really cool that DraftKings is kind of giving you the full gamut of all the players, yeah. you know. It, it does make things a little bit more interesting. I mean, I'm kind of like just kind of two and a half plus 105 for Gallagher. I mean, I know it was kind of a, a dud last time out, but, you know, at home – I mean, I don't know, man. I, just him not getting over two and a half, it seems pretty rare for that to be a plus money type of bet. I mean, he definitely is a shooter. If they, if they need to get goals, he'll be out there. You know, I, that that seems a little bit weird to me. Um, so I, I, I could I could see that. Just more the longevity of it. And Nick Suzuki, one and a half minus 225. It's like, come on. <laughs> I mean, I know he had a zero in there recently, but that seems a bit, a bit wild to me. Yeah, there, there, any of these, there's a lot of, seemingly pretty easy um easy not completely easy takes but easier the petri one also like you said that that is just almost i'm not gonna say free money but that guy he's been firing the puck i mean as long as the minutes are there which they should be that seems very as fair. long as his pinky doesn't fall off he's good yeah i mean i wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't i don't know i mean the tampa side you know you could take your headbands your your points i would be okay with there hasn't been one guy individually that's blown the doors off shot wise um so is there one player that you wanted to mention here? I mean, it kind of seems like they spread the wealth pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think for me, it's honestly probably a guy like Andre Palat because Kucherov is good, but he's been very selective in his shot attempts, um, you know, and he's getting a ton of good looks, but he's only really taking shots when he's getting these great looks or on the power play. Um, and I'm just frankly not willing to bet on power play production in a series and in a playoffs like this, where, you know, like we've seen clear fouls be just, you know, let, let go. Um, and also, you know, the game's back in Montreal, they're down to, like, I just feel like there's every reason in the world to let this be sort of a, a knockdown drag out type brawl. And Kucherov a five on five, it's just not been dynamic. I know he had a great game. Uh, you know, he's, he's been, Great, but he's not been the elite level Kucherov that I think we're paying for. Um, so that's sort of like my, yeah, I'm a little leery on it, um, which makes me think maybe Andre Palat picks up some of the shooting slack mm-hmm. or you just go to a different line entirely because like we said, Philip Deneau has been great this postseason um, and maybe that opens up the door for a guy like Steven Stamkos to take advantage of easier matchups. Uh, also being featured on the power play, over two and a half plus 100. Uh, I, I think that's my favorite shot prop. All right, very fair. Um, yeah, no, with all that being said, um, is there any last-minute things or any favorite bets you wanted to say? Um, there's also a total shots on goal prop, over 58.5, minus 118, under 58.5 is minus 112. I find that one kind of interesting. Um, if you're saying, you know, there's basically 30 shots on goal per team, um, I don't see that happening myself. So I kind of like the under there. Um, you know, and you kind of get like blanket coverage to the game and you're not relying on one specific player, but yet you're still sort of taking a risk on the pace of the game in general. And this one just feels, you know, a lot of 
uh, neutral zone type play, a lot of carefulness from Montreal and just pray they don't get scored on early because if they do, I think the floodgates will open up. But if not, I see that under sort of coming in a real nice for you. Yeah, I think my, my I, I'm going to say a couple. I'm going to say my, my longest odds favorite would be to take someone on that Barkley, Goudreau, Gord, um, Coleman line. And, you know, Gord plus 300, Coleman plus 370, and Barkley, Goudreau plus 460. I mean, I'm not saying that like, I, Gord would probably be yep. the favorite there. Um, seemingly the, the easiest one to take. He's seeing 20 minutes. Uh, they're all seeing like 18, 17, 20 minutes. Uh, you know, Gord seems like plus 300 seems a little bit odd. I think they're going to have a real favorable matchup against some of the depth on Montreal. Um, I wouldn't mind putting a little bit of money. I'm, I'm one of them. I think, you know, as far as shot volume is concerned, none of them jump off the page to me as like the clear cut, like unreal shot volume. But none of them also, I, I think, are absolute duds. Barkley Goodrow, I think, is a, a decent to, to good piece to throw in the mix in your um, showdowns. Uh, two, four for him. <laughs> you know, it's kind of yeah, like it's real cheap. you're getting uh, potentially 20 minutes of ice time if they're up big early. I don't know. I mean, Yanni Gord to score plus 300, I think, makes the most sense. And then putting Barkley Goodrow with maybe him, or, you know, I probably wouldn't throw the whole line together, but, you know, him and Barkley and just hoping again, Goodrow assists. I mean, what a great setup he had on that buzzer beater. Um, you know, something like that, I think, could, could come together nicely. Just to kind of put a, a full circle thought on that line. Um, anything that you really like? Yeah, that no, might be I, longer odds or? Yeah. Um, not really, honestly. Um, like, I'm looking at, like, these multi-point and things like that, and just nothing really stands out to me. Um, so I think this one will be much more uh, low-key for me. Eric card. first goal? Come on. <laughs> Plus 5,000? No, oh, no, come on, no, no. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm okay. having fun. All right. Anyway, um, hopefully you guys all uh, on the video version enjoyed uh, DJ's yeah. DJ's I'm on the casting. Is it? Yep. Uh, we're just wondering. doing we're doing anything we can to keep Jack Eichel in town. You know, so anything um, is needed. <laughs> Did you see his quote today about like from his agent? There was a quote from his agent saying like, "There's open lines of communication." It's like, and they were actually like, "See, he might stay," and I'm like, "Oh, you guys don't." I mean, we, we can't talk about the Sabres because I might start doing uh, jumping jacks for Don Granado. And we know how this ends. It ends set, you know, horribly for us. But um, it, it is literally like the definition of like the leaving the door a crack for someone yeah. like like the relationship's over. I'm like, maybe. And like, it's like everyone's like, Eichel's going to stay. And I'm like, oh, he's so no. gone. Yeah. Yeah. He's so gone. Anyway. Um, you know, when Victor Arvidsson scores 50 goals with Jack Eichel as his center, um, you know, don't say you didn't hear it here first. So, uh, DJ, anything you want to say to wrap up the season of uh, fantasy um, hockey picks and bets? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, first off, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to everyone for getting involved. Comments, everything. We loved every minute of it. I had so much fun this year. I think we both have a lot of exciting things that we're trying to push forward and grow this brand and our brands even more. So if you liked what you got so far, there's more to come. Um, next season, I think, is going to be back to normal, hopefully without any hiccups. And we can cover a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, hopefully into the future, we're going to get Olympics, we're going to get all that all together. We'll all be in on it. We have a really good group. And they're amazing. So thanks to everyone. Thanks to Pat uh, times a million for giving us a chance. 
Yeah, uh, second everything you said. Uh, be sure to follow us both on Twitter. I'm at Fake Moods and DJ's at DJ underscore Mitchell 94. Um, you know, and you can keep tabs on us. But like we said, uh, we should be back, you know, off season or preseason or regular season. Who knows? We, 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 we'll, I mean, we'll plan we'll on being back. Though. I'm not sure if yeah. we'll be on here specifically, but we'll yeah, definitely so, be doing stuff. Um, you know, anyway, just, just keep tabs on us. And again, uh, appreciate all the support throughout this season. Um, and lastly, big thanks to Prize Picks for stepping up to the plate, knocking out of the park as, uh, you know, my first ever ad read. Never done an ad read before. So that, that was a lot of fun. So big thanks to Prize Picks for that. Um, anyway, let's get on out of here. Best of luck on Friday, everybody. Uh, have a good sleep, and we will see you. <laughs>